Hey, yo. It's the Dark Skin Doctor Doom with a PhD in Hood Chemistry, AK fucking. Hey. Back again with another episode of the PT Podcast, episode three, with my compatriots and associates. It's James Valor, the high note bandit. I'm here conversing with Sayashi. You already know what it is. That's all I got. <laughs> if, if you know, you know. If you know, you know, man. This episode, we're doing this without headphones. So, you know, if we sound a little weird, that's why. Blame my audio technician. Send hate mail to uh, at Young Pocket Change on Twitter. Terry Lazy Ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he allergic to, but I'm going to find out and just send him all of that. If it's peanuts, make sure that man have a mailbox filled with peanuts. <laughs> I'm on him. I'm going to just put peanuts in anything. I'm like, this burger tastes like, yup. <laughs> you know it. Poison. Poison. Anyway, uh, today I wanted to talk about discrimination versus diversity and how it affects our culture. Because I feel like, especially nowadays, there's such a thin line between like people trying to appreciate different cultures and people really like people almost mocking these other cultures and people of these other cultures for reasons that are outside of their control. Mm. Um, so I want to start off by asking: Do you think do you guys think diversity is needed in society and specifically in small societal groups? Yes. Because it's, uh, I don't, it could, it could help or hurt, but I feel like people being different is always needed. There's always, there's always that, because, like, you get to see things from multiple, multiple perspectives. If everybody was the same, that'd be kind of boring and problematic, also. Explain what you mean by diversity, because I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Diversity, like, like people having, a group filled with people from different walks of life who've experienced different things and different, I guess, paths and experiences, most of the time expressed by uh, racial diversity. Yeah, diversity is important to have because, like, I don't know, a lot of people come from, like, a lot of different walks. It's almost impossible to, like, not have diversity, you know? I feel that. So you're saying, like, regardless of the person... Like, the people who engage in these jobs will automatically be diverse. Yeah, unless, like, you know, they've been fucking pounded by society into not, like, thinking for themselves, you know? I feel like not thinking for themselves is really not, like, thing. not applicable in diversity. Yeah, if, they, if, they, if it was a carbon copy, that would be, like... Plus, more often, diversity is caused by, like, different circumstances and different environments rather than willingly being diverse. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we can choose to be a diverse group of people. We kind of just are, are or aren't. Mm-hmm. Nobody's born the same. I asked that to say, like, let's say there's a small group of game designers and game developers. And let's say they're all white. They've all lived in the same area. They all grew up together. And they make a game. What's to stop them from making just, a good, just as good a game as a group of ethnically diverse game developers? Well... Hmm. I I'm, feel like I feel like I would need more to that question, like just outside of like just outside the race, because like what if they had like a different like developers from a different a bunch of different like failed companies or stuff like that, or just they have a developer that's really old and they have one that's new, and it's just like I feel like it would help in the sense of there were certain things that were tackled better because someone on that like someone on that crew had the knowledge, and with diversity, I feel like. And extends to race too. Like I feel like that. What's important is that knowledge and that experience, because like you don't like if you are lacking that area, that that particular person probably excels in that area, but lacks somewhere else where you exceed as well. 
So, you know, that's about it. When I asked, I meant more so racial diversity, like in a sense of having, like, people from different cultures who've been raised in different ways together in the same environment. What were you about to say? So you mean actual, like, cultural diversity instead of racial diversity? I guess. I say racial diversity because people, especially when it comes to, like, jobs and employment, strive for racial diversity and will sometimes hire, like, a black person who's been who has the same accolades as a white person for racial diversity to say, yo, I have this token black person. Mm-hmm. Our company's diverse. Right. Which Make, means... Making a quota. They kind of look past the culture and more into the race, even though the culture is really what funds that diversity. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really consider that diversity. Like, I don't know. Like, it's diversity, but forced in a sense. Because, yeah. like, you're just picking a nigga over a white person just because they're a nigga. Right. Know? But, like, to, like, you know, what you said, there are plenty... There are plenty of it, diversity. Diversity being as prevalent as it is now is definitely apparent, like in certain mediums, like writing and movies and stuff like that. Because before it was just a writing room full full of white guys writing for a black guy, but now there's like a black dude in there, a Spanish person in there writing for these people that we're now focusing on and these different cir- different circumstances that we're now focusing on. That probably had a cousin that went through like that went through, like, uh, domestic abuse or something like that. And, like, you know, stuff like that. Not to say that a certain race will experience that more than other ones, but I mean just experience-wise. Do they experience with these stereotypes? And because stereotypes are often funded by real stories. Yeah. And that these things are really things that happen more often in certain cultural groups than others. Than others, yeah. Which is perfectly understandable. I feel like that's not offensive. So would you say that there's a line of going too far to be diverse? Yeah. Because, like, like I said before, like, forced diversity is, like, like I, I see it a lot. Well, not I see it a lot, but, like, it's seen a lot, like, when it, when it comes to, like, college and so, shit like that. Like, I forget what it's called, but it's, like, where they purposely, like, you know, had a quota to get, like, affirmative, dis- action. affirmative action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where they purposely needed this amount of, like, of uh, black students in a college or, you know, any person of color in a college for to reach a quota and stuff like that. And, like. And especially, like, white people feel slighted about that a lot of times because they feel like, you know, it's like a spot that's taken away from a white child just because they needed a person of color. Mm. Now, do you feel like that's giving that person of color opportunity to shine despite the odds and giving them an equal opportunity? Or do you feel like it's superficial and that this opportunity is almost, like, damned because of this forced diversity pick? Like, do you feel like people should be proud to be a person who's picked for diversity? Or should you feel like damn, they only picked me because I'm black, not because I'm more skilled than the other contestant. Um, they, You could definitely feel that way, but I feel like a, a foot in the door is a foot in the door. Like, you got there, so what you make of whatever you want of that situation. Yeah, it's, it's especially, like, I, I can understand, like, wanting to achieve something like that on your own merit, but you also got to realize, like, being the fact that we're black people and we're in, like, you know, white America, essentially, like, I don't know, there's a lot of odds that are stacked against us inherently because... Like, we're black, and, like, not really because of anything that we did as, like, individuals, you know? So it's, like, when it comes to stuff like that, I personally would just take it, because, like, college is fucking expensive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. If, if these niggas trying to give me a full ride just because I'm black, shit, I'll, <laughs> I'll eat some watermelon, too. Like, okay, but don't, don't say that. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> trying to get us canceled, bro. Okay. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tempted um, to Do you think that, like, it's worth... 
Do you think the benefits of these... So what you're saying is, like, the benefits of these picks are still beneficial regardless of the circumstances and regardless of, like, almost... How do I say? Like, almost the degradation of being, like, this guinea pig pick. And... In some aspects, yeah. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it, it could be more negative than other times. Like, I can't really give it a specific, like, example. But I do know, like, you know. Like, um, actually, uh, I'm going to reference one of my favorite shows in the world, Degrassi. And uh, Degrassi, there's this <laughs> one episode where um, Liberty got picked to be in a sorority to be, like, the token black girl, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I forget why I was referencing this part. But, um like she pretty much left on her own merit because like she found out that she was like the token black girl and stuff like that she didn't want to be like seen as the token black girl yeah but it's just like you know it, it all depends on your own personal values and stuff like that because like you know if i get paid to go to college me personally again college is expensive and i'm, I'm poor <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm taking that now to switch to a different aspect of diversity because earlier we were talking about, like, the game developer example of a, of a team composed of all white game developers versus a team composed of ethnically diverse game developers and if they'll make the same game. And uh, James was saying that, like, a diverse work history is what deta- is what's more important in these situations mm. than a diverse ethnic- ethnical history of, like, companies hired and stuff like that. Mm. Would you say that consistency isn't the way to go then? So, like, when it comes to work diversity, should you try a bunch of different things, or would, would it be, or would you be more likely to pick somebody who's done the same thing skillfully over a set period of time? That's a very good question, and honestly, it depends on the medium and like, like, uh, like situation. Because, like, if I was a director, say I was a director and I had, I had to choose between two fight choreographers. One uh, one guy has a long, successful career, but the last couple of mo- movies he's done have kind of just been stagnant, like, stunt-wise and all that type of stuff. And then we have someone who, here who's new who just got into, like, who was a... I, I, I'm using this because I talked about it last time. Who was, like, a stuntman, and he wants to try and do this film, and he feels like he can genuinely do it, and he just he's just asking for a chance. Now, I said the situation thing also because if it's like I had me as a director, I've had a terrible track record and I'm looking for this movie to be like my saving grace, I might go with the more unpredictable option. But like if I have if I have a string of successful movies already, I would probably go with the, you know, vanilla stunt guy just to play it safe. But if I need this to be a hit and this and it was a young or new stunt dude or just maybe someone who it's not young particularly or just new to stunts and doesn't have the work history but thinks they can really do a good job i might try to choose that unpredictable aspect mm-hmm. i like guess just like that unpredictable aspect like could be the one to bring like fresh ideas to the table and stuff like that new way of shooting things and stuff like that mm-hmm. so you think diversity is almost like rewarding taking a chance um yeah a, a little bit i feel like uh I feel like that's kind of what it because these are now people who didn't have that chance. Like, large, like, companies and all that stuff were kind of prioritizing white people and certain types of white people. And now it's just kind of opened up. And now that you open up the gates, you don't know what you're going to get. It could be really good, it could be really bad. But, you know, the really good stuff kind of tends to float to the surface. 
Okay, let's say you're making a movie. Your movie's all but done. You just need the soundtrack done. And you have two composers you're about to pick from. One composer has done good work consistently only for romance movies. He's been called, he's the guy to call for every romance movie. And you know this movie has elements of romance in it. But this movie also has various other elements and various other types of scenes. What, and there's another composer who has done can also consist easily as consistent work with different genres going from romance into these movies, not particularly stand out to make him a staple of that genre, but enough so to have experience in a variety of different different situations and different scenes. Which one would you pick? Um, personally, like, I don't know, it just, like, really relating back to diversity. I would just personally pick, like, you know, whoever's, like, track record or, like, sound, like, you know, matches what I'm trying to go for for the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going for, like, a movie with, like, a heavy romance plot or something like that, I'm not going to go for, like, I don't know, someone who did the soundtrack for... Blade Runner or anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go someone who just who has that sound or has the ability or like thing they can do like you know the ability to like make my soundtrack the best. Uh, I don't know. I would go with the uh, I would go with the guy that's done like mid grade different type of genres only because I feel like he might want it more. I feel like he might try to show out, but the other option would probably have like um some pluses too if i have something that has subtle notes of romance in it because then even though those moments will be far, far few in between those moments will hit a lot harder mm-hmm. so you know it would it would depend it would really depend so i can't say my i personally would pick the romance guy because i feel like in this situation diversity might not necessarily be a great thing and this man has been consistent despite like given circumstances mm. and i feel like because of this maybe he's the hungrier one of the two the person who wants to show that he's not just this romance guy and is open to the chance of diversity rather than the person who seems to already be diverse right. which is kind of what i'm saying in this argument as a whole and kind of like my stance on it because i feel like diversity is definitely like I feel like needed more on a societal standpoint than from actual efficiency standpoint, because like it all comes down to the individual and their experience and how diverse their experience is, even in like even in even in like occupations typically dominated by a certain demographic. I feel like it still depends from person to person, which. I mean, diversity means that the people who have the potential to be as good in different races and in different situations do get their picks and their says and still get to show their, show their examples of how how skilled they are and how professional they are as well. But, like, sometimes it also just comes down to the individual and to the person and to the experience and to the task. It, I feel like there's so many variables that diversity is being pushed in without no, without first focusing on the individual and just pushing diversity for diversity's sake. Like, I feel like a good example of this is Kamala Khan in The Avengers. Uh, First Muslim uh, Avenger. And I absolutely love Kamala Khan. I feel like she's a great character. And I feel like Amadeus Cho was another pick for, like, um, diversity in comics. Both new characters, both fairly new characters. They're now starting to get more along the age in comics. But I feel like there was a time where diversity was definitely pushed in comic books as a whole. And to see how it affected that as a genre and how some of it was met with backlash. Because before writing, they put diversity. And before interesting situations, they put diversity. What would you say? I'm one of those people that kind of thought that was kind of whack at the moment. But then I'm like, I, I feel like I... 
I preach diversity, and I feel like diversity is always a good thing, but then there's sometimes where you focus too much on it, you lose track of the goal when having a diverse cast of people. And is it really worth it at that point? I think what you're, like, talking about is, like, the the whole thing where, like, for a while, like, comics and, like, a lot of media seem to be pandering towards, like, certain um, audiences, I guess, like, what you said with, like, the, like, the diversity in comics and shit like that, like, people thought that they were, like, really pandering towards, like, you know, black people and stuff like that because, like, they came up with, like, a whole bunch of, like, new black, well, not new black superheroes, but black superheroes under the mantle of, like, legacy superheroes like people thought that uh miles morales was pandering which i feel like he was too in a certain extent like i don't know i feel like they shoveled in like the fact that he was bisexual and like kind of for just no reason but uh, like there is like a lot of stuff what was that you didn't know no, he's not morales he's was... not it was a statement she was saying that he could be bisexual oh okay he's not bisexual yeah, I didn't read too much into the Miles Morales comics. I have, haven't <laughs> felt into comics for a while. Let's my boy Miles Morales. We can fight after this Miles podcast. Cool I mean, Aqu- but Aqualad's gay, and I was just like, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't know that was, didn't know that's where we were going, but all right, cool, cool. I feel like that's a different type of diversity that sometimes is overstated, but yeah. I get it, especially with, like, the, the, like, the emergence of the, like, increase of trans people. I guess because mm-hmm. now as society is changing, more people are open to this and it's becoming a more widespread thing. Not to say these people didn't feel how they felt forever, but just to, it's now been emerging into being a new thing. Like mm-hmm. even when I was in high school, there definitely was a lot more trans people than the years before. And that's that's dope. Like I, I fuck with it. Like if you feel like you want to be away, be away, bro. I don't care if, if you say you will There's a lady that married a roller coaster and like she can do her. Like it genuinely, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> But at the same time, I started to see it being in media as well and almost like a rebellious sense, like, oh, I'm this way, regardless of how you feel about it. And a lot of people do feel the way about it, but a lot of people also don't. I feel like that diversity is needed for, in some circumstances, but not every circumstance. Not every circumstance needs to be made about this thing and about the emphasis on diversity if it doesn't need to be and it doesn't affect the story in a way that helps you tell that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had anything to say about that, but yeah, I was uh, I was that's kind of what I was, I was gonna say. I think when people get mad, it's like when you're just trying to make a black character and not a character who happens to be black. And I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's where a lot of people just be like, all right, well, now I'm just pandering. I'm not like I'm not gonna like this character as much. Mm-hmm. But if you add something personal into that or something to make him feel like a person and not just a character. Or just like a, a mantle of some like or a representation of something. That's when black people and other people of color can really connect to that thing and make just make new heroes. Don't put it under a mantle. Don't make them have to live up to something. Just make new heroes. There are other ways of becoming a superhero. There are other places. So there should be no excuse for that. I feel like that pretense of like now knowing that this isn't a standard, having to make it excuse me, shine all the more is kind of, like, corny in some sense. Like, it it seems disingenuous when you try to force this diversity pick. Like, wait, hey, look at me. I'm Rakid, the new African-American superhero. Like, <laughs> like, Rakid? Like, like, that shit, corny. Like, yeah. I feel like a good example of this was Static Shock, because Static Shock felt so genuine to me, especially as a black teen. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like... Static Shock was a reflection of my lifestyle. We did a lot of the same things. Like, it, it was genuinely 
approachable and relatable to African Americans without having to be, without having the need to be. He was Static Shock and Virgil and balanced it all well without having to. And he, he, there was even like episodes about his identity as African American and going to see his roots and the importance of it and cultural and, and real cultural diversity. And his best friend was white and had no problems. Like that was the bull. Like it was such a good show in terms of showing racial diversity that like the attention to detail I feel like it, to making accurate representation starts to lose to trying to make it marketable to that race which I feel like is getting further away from the diversity I feel like we're supposed to be looking for Static Shock was definitely like the cartoon itself was just really important like I didn't realize it until like I was an adult but like uh like it it touched upon like real issues in a diverse way that didn't come off to uh after school special you know like that episode where like um they found out that uh Gadget Richie, his name was Richie, right? Richie, yeah, yeah, yeah. that his dad was racist. <laughs> that that yeah. shit was crazy. That shit hit my soul, um, bro. I felt so sad for him for real. And like a- another thing that when you said about forced diversity, I thought of was on in Endgame where the whole girl power scene where they all just magically appeared together. Realistically, like, Captain Marvel could have just flew through that. To flew through that part of the of the fight. Captain Marvel, like they scaled Captain Marvel's power like really weird, not. You just did that like five seconds ago. Yeah. You don't need help anymore. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it wasn't about the help. It was about showcasing these characters in general, mm. which I feel like they could have definitely just showed them with the other people, like like with the characters they were seen with. Not to say that like they, they have to be in pairs to be seen, but like you were already in these groups. Like, for you to all band together and y'all don't even really know each other right, for real. It's just exactly. magically, like, how did you know to convene right on this spot, right? Like, this and y'all second? don't even, y'all have never, some of y'all have never talked before this. Look, let's, right. be, let's be realistic here. Girls on a whole be catty. So, it ain't no way all of y'all gonna get, get along just off the Listen, maybe. It's true. <laughs> I definitely think, like, also, like, how did they know who was enemy, who was ally? <laughs> like, just thinking back, because if I saw was Mantis, you definitely <laughs> I'm shooting her ass. I'm shooting. It's definitely on site. Like, I wasn't gonna stop and think she's she might be on our side. She might be a hero. Hell no. She's like, catching these hands. She and a I just saw a big purple man fold half of our forces. Yeah. You think I'm going stop swinging? You <laughs> tripping? Thanos was a menace, bro. Like for real, he was easily one of my favorite villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if not my favorite. He was probably the best villain. Because he was so saucy. Like, I feel like he definitely... And Josh Brolin himself, even while doing Cable, cemented himself as a le- with a legendary performance. He really made these movies. Like, without him, Infinity and Endgame, the stakes they, would they not have been, been the same. same. When he finessed Gamora, it was just... That was hilarious. I was... He said, oh, I knew you would cry for me. I'm like, yo. Bubbles. <laughs> Bubbles. This man just balling. If the Bubbles. Infinity Rocks had VVs, this man would just would have dropped the hottest song ever. Two things. Uh, my, exam, my example of forced diversity in a really just weird way. Well, I have, to, I, have I kind of have two examples. And speak, speaking of it, because speaking of, like, Marvel movies, that whole um, crusade of uh, Give Captain America a Boyfriend... And they were saying like, yeah, they were saying that his actions for Bucky were reading deeper. And that's kind of problematic because it's just like that kind of puts a top. It puts a weird narrative on certain things like mm-hmm. dude legitimately just lost the one of the two people alive from his era that were close to him. And the other one, he just he did one. He thought it was one. And now he realizes his best. Well, oh, wait, no, wait. 
Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the end of this. Well, basically, his, this is best friend from this time, and he's being convicted of being a criminal and stuff. He's trying to keep him safe. It's not like on some romantic stuff. Like, and they That's never know the it. That's just the bro. This is the last thing I'm gonna say about this before we move on to the next topic. But to be fair. That's a little questionable. To me personally, just because you went to a lot of lengths to like to protect Bucky from the world. Like that's your best friend, cool. But you fight in presidents of whole nations. This nation is now your enemy. Like if if T'Challa was petty, R.I.P. the bull, like he really could have banned you and wait and said, Give me Captain America. He has my father's killer. Like, I could definitely just set this bitch on fire until I get this man. Besides the fact that almost half—he also wronged a lot of people. Like, well, he, did get, he did get set up for the bombing of his father's killer, absolutely. And he didn't know that. But before he knew, he before he really had evidence that he didn't do it and not just a hunch about his character, because he was a sleeper agent. He definitely could have been made to do this. Like, No, he was. Yeah, oh, he, was, oh, he did do that. Wasn't he under, like... He was, no, he I thought was, Baron Zemo did it and then framed him and then found out he was a sleeper soldier. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Baron... Wait. He, he definitely did all that shit. But he oh, was, nah, he, you he, tripping, He was man. under, like, Hydra brainwashing. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about that, boy. What? Nah, but that's... that's <laughs> no, I mean, like... That's as, just unfair, because he didn't, he didn't do anything. He legitimately fell off a train. All that time gone. I've been, now I'm a train killer, and I have a robotic arm. I get what you're saying, but then you also got to think about the realisticness of these events. We know this because we know Bucky and we are seeing the movie. As somebody as somebody who thinks in, like, the people's shoes, I'm thinking about what if this happened to me? I'm damn well not going to guess what happened to him as a reason. To, yeah, I'm sorry. I know he killed your dad, but he fell off a train and got brainwashed to be a robotic killer by this evil organization no one knows exists and now has a robotic arm. But he good. He killed your parents and all that, but it wasn't his fault. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not defending I'm that. Not like, I'm, just, that. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. Wait, 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 what do you mean you're not believing it? In the world where we literally have a green man beating up shit that's flying out of portals. But, that, but listen, of a listen, his story is logical. His story makes sense. His story, he had an un, unnatural reaction. He's the Hulk. I've seen it. I, I don't got nothing else to believe. He got mad one time. I stole the toast. This man green. Like, easy. <laughs> but this story he has, he fell off the joint. He got brainwashed by Hydra. And is now so, a secretly <laughs> trained sleeper agent so with a robot arm named the White Wolf. Like, come on now. So in the world where we have niggas traveling through galaxies by swinging their hammer and the Bifrost is coming down, mind control is far-fetched to you? No, not mind control. This specific situation, as somebody who wronged him. He killed my parents, and you tell me this in response. I'm not believing that. <laughs> I'm not believing that. And I saw it on camera. He saw a camera him killing his parents, and you knew. And you expect me to not kill I mean, this man? I mean, bro. the fact that, that Cap it's, knew and, like, was like... He also beat the brakes off him. Like, you should have not touched that man. Cap definitely his parents did whoop was his ass. Dead. Like, you, he definitely did whoop his ass. He beat the brakes off of him Prost and said, you want to keep going? Props to Tony for fighting them two niggas, though. For Prost real. To Tony. He, he was, jumped he was him. Ham. And he was going... They were swinging hard as shit. Oh, yeah. He had a headache for three <laughs> weeks after that. Oh, yeah. He said, God damn. He, he got out that suit with bruises. <laughs> His body was purple. Yes, that's the uh, crazy part, bro. He was they was hitting him in the face, and then when you saw the when you saw the mask like come off, he was he was fucked up. He like. got in the men's, definitely legendary. Um, speaking of legendary, I want to talk about legend status. R. Peter Boy, Chadwick Boseman. 
I feel like he definitely cemented himself as a legend in the short time he was here, despite his battle with cancer. Like, was whooping his ass. He was just in between surgeries, still doing what he had to do. And I feel like that definitely cements him as legend status. Even though I think he was before this. Why do you Why do you think he was a legend before this? Just because I feel like he had the potential, and from the movies I saw from him, I believed in him. I feel like he definitely had, especially when it comes to how you carry yourself in movies, like just hearing even how he talks normally to how, like, to accents he uses in movies and how dedicated he is and how close to the original he was. I feel like after Black Panther, he was already a legend, mm-hmm. even though he did many more great movies after this and he even came back as Black Panther in more movies. But I feel like even then I could see in him the greatness that I feel like is what really cements him as a legend. I feel like it was really what cements everybody as a legend. When Michael Jackson came out, they didn't say that boy going to be normal. <laughs> like it, he was five. I feel like he defi- everybody, everybody that I think is a legend definitely showed their legend status throughout their journey from beginning to end. Is what I'm trying to say, and so I say that to ask you guys, what do you think makes somebody legendary? I mean, I don't know. Legendary, you got there's 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 not really like defining criteria for like legendary status. Like it's not like you know we're playing Pokemon or nothing like that. Now, but what do you think? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Because, like, there's, like, people who are, like, legends, but there's also, like, personal legends in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mac Miller is a personal legend in my mind. Like, Mac Miller is just, that nigga was just the goat to me. Fucking Lil Wayne's a legend in my mind. That nigga was just the goat. But these are also two legendary people in general. I feel like Mac Miller is definitely legendary. I feel like Lil Wayne is literally one of known as one of the greatest rappers ever. Yeah. Like you chose two people that are the yeah. people's legends. Well, that's yeah. He, but you can't really say like because there's some there's some people that they they might not be legends to to them. Like now I get what you're saying, but in there's this thing in battle rap where they're like certain people are all known as the goat, and obviously the greatest of all time is a singular title. But there's the people that are in this this discussion are already the GOAT. Like, you're already in the status of being questioned legendarily. It already makes you a legend in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like, to be questioned to be the top person, you already have to be one of the top niggas in general. Like, Charlie Clips, uh, Hollow to Don, are all people, and Loaded Lux, are all yeah, people who, say Lux. who are counted as the GOAT because these are people who have the skill and history to be counted as the greatest of all time. Speaking of Lord of Luck, you ever listen to uh, watch movies with the sound off by Mac Miller? That yeah. yeah. He was easy, Mac, with the cheesy raps. <laughs> Who the fuck is Mac, Mac Miller? Miller? <laughs> Yo, he really saw us that. Yeah. He said, he said with those big, he said, with them Nikes on your feet and coming through Blue Slide Park. <laughs> Yo, he was really saucing that. Yeah. Um, But to, to answer your question, I think it's a multitude of things because to be legendary... It's uh, it's not, it's not really just one thing. Some people choose it. Like some, t- for some people, it's to strife. For other people, it's from coming from greatness. I think, what really is at the center of it is what you do with what you got, and I think that's that's what makes legends. Like people who just don't take the L or just don't take like see like see this and just go, you know what? I could work with this. Like, you know. So what you're saying is, like, how much you make out of what you have is yeah. what makes you legendary and the status that you've reached because of that. Mm-hmm. So, boom, antithesis question. How far do you have to go to be considered legendary, do you think? I mean, mm. it depends on what you mean by how far. Like, like, I don't... like, until when does someone go from unique to legendary? 
And what's the line that separates that? I guess my like what I feel like what really makes you like set, like bridge the line between unique, legendary, like it's a very thin line, but it's like um <laughs> <laughs> I just made that weird ass face, like a Furby. <laughs> um, it's like, so it's like when you influence other people is what I really feel like when you like yeah. turn into a legend. Because like you know you can be unique. Every every nigga in the world is unique. You feel me? You're different from me. You're unique. I mean, like when people like. Like I saw you make that face. Like no, no, no. no. Like I get what you mean. No, you, when I met, you're, you're like, violent, when though. I said unique, I meant more so stand out from others, less so different than others. But I get what you're saying too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we're we're all unique, and like especially like artists in a certain way. But like once you really start to like influence others and change like the landscape of which you like been around, is like when you really like cement yourself as a legend, like like Basquiat and stuff like that. Like after Basquiat came through, like. Like art was kind of like never the same because like his art wasn't traditional art. This man literally just had schizophrenic scribbles on pieces of paper and shit like that, and like you know, it changed like the way the world looked at art. I feel like it's a uh, you like what makes somebody a legend is when it's just that feeling that you get like watching them or as a fan where they do something or like their work just gets so expansive where you're just like they're going to be in people's minds for a long time, especially with movies, music, and stuff like that. Um, I think Sam Cooke made that song, Change, Change, Oh, yes, he was. Apparently, he didn't know that that was going to be a hit, and he never even got to see how big the song got. He died before the song came out, and that song is still, that's that song's like going to keep pe- like him in people's minds for a long time, even people that didn't know him. So I would say that that's legendary. Uh Samuel like, Samuel L. Uh, Jack, Samuel L. Jackson. He did a lot of movies, and like when he's gone, you know, bubble wrap that man. You know, God forbid. But when he's gone, he's gonna have all these things for his kids, his grandkids, other people like to look at and stuff. And he's a meme, like you know, he's a pretty cool meme. He likes so, hentai. That doesn't I, surprise me at all. <laughs> I definitely think it, one. Ironically enough, the Sam Cooke song is about. Him dying. Okay. I, like, I don't know if there's somewhere beyond the sky. It's been a long time coming, but change is going to come. That change is death. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that like, change is death. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, just being frank, <laughs> being blunt, that change is death. I used to listen to that song a lot when my grandma passed, so I feel like I know it really well. Mm. And it helped me accept that change, and that that change is definitely something that's going to come. Like, I can't do shit about that, even if I do do or don't want it to. So I might as well, you know, accept it. But that's a different topic for a different podcast. Right. Um, I personally think that what makes you legendary is when you start to change the genre, specifically comparatively. Like when you can't mention certain things about this genre without comparing you. Mm. Like, and without you being mentioned in the topic is when you start to change. Like you can't bring up pop and the people who've done the best in pop without bringing up Michael Jackson. Even Elvis, legendary. We start to think of the people in these circumstances that that impacted the genre and these are the first names you think of mm-hmm. and you have impacted the genre significantly you do something differently than someone else in a way that you've pioneered and other people can follow you I feel like that's when you really start to tread in the legend status do you do you think it's possible to be a legend but also be underrated at the same time yes yep. I think a good example of that is my boy MF Doom 
Legendary, mm-hmm. legendary rapper, great rapper, Fritos, but Fritos and Cheetos. sometimes he be wilding. Like he do. Be, to be a legend is to understand that your journey is rocky, and not every not every place you go is going to be a peak. Your journey has to have peaks and valleys. And those valleys are kind of low for him. But okay. <laughs> wait, wait, what do, you, what do you consider valleys for him? No, I just think sometimes he took such an experimental take on things that like it starts to be too experimental that it's it loses me a bit. But that's for me personally. Like sometimes it'll be like Doritos, Cheetos, Cheetos and Fritos. Uh, you know I need those Anita and Three Toes. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, I respect the artistry, my dude. I respect the artistry, <laughs> and then like I'll look up a genius interview to be like, what you didn't know was Three Toes are the legendary Saurian race, and he's hinting that the world is gonna be taken over by lizards. I'm like, what? How did y'all get that? <laughs> I didn't think that at all. I, I just thought why he, he said Three Toes. I thought he lost two toes or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> MLB is definitely one of the niggas who like people definitely see like a lot deeper things in his raps than maybe there's even there like I, i'm sure he just he just said shit in music just like i'm gonna give these niggas something to think about i think uh <clears throat> that's but that's also kind of like when fandom and like stardom kind of get introduced because mf doom isn't a very known rapper like that but to a lot of people a lot of hip-hop heads that know hip-hop he's regarded as a legend and stuff like that uh andre 2000 He's he's a legend generally to everybody, but I feel like he's in the, he's in this bracket of people who are just I don't know. There are some people who are just seem untouchable. Seem, seem untouchable or just you know born born to be like legends and greats, really. Because he and the dude's so humble. Bro had a cartoon. That and that John was lit. I was mad it got canceled. Yeah. That, if you can make kids be into jazz music, you're doing something special. For real. I feel like that's where you start to go into like above legendary. I feel like legend status holds a lot of people, but then you start to get to like the goats. The like, goats. The goats. Andre Thousand is definitely in the list of the goats because that man had a MF and TV series. He is like, not Jordan, but he is the goat. It was definitely different. <laughs> he's not Jordan. Um, Jamie Foxx as well. I think he's. I think he's the goat too. I feel like those are people that pioneer. When you start to pioneer into different genres, but still carrying that same stamp and flag that you had on these other genres, is when you start to really get into te- into the goat territory. Because Jamie Foxx was literally in, an entertainer in such the purest sense that like he could literally do anything and succeed. If he went on a stage and people was listening, he's going to make money. Period. But I don't want to talk about this for too much longer. I'm sorry. I just want to say that I don't like Jamie Foxx. Okay, we're not Something going about him. It's just so punchable. Yeah, we just don't talk about bad opinions. Um, <laughs> For so real, we're gonna say the next question is: Do you think being average is a bad thing? No. Uh, no, no. Like, what do you What do you mean by average? Like to not like everybody that's legendary, the other people. <laughs> huh? Wait, what? Say it again. Like the people who don't reach the greatest heights, the people who still do this. And are average, like the general populace, because I feel like legendary status and goat status, even more, is so few and far between that even though people could put the same amount of effort, time, and skill into this thing and not achieve this, like look at what's his name, uh, Mystical, help the bear, help the bear, like, compare <laughs> Mystical to Drake. <laughs> Yo, you see, like you get to see how different it is. Have you seen me? Either? Like no offense, but shout out Joe Button. Like after uh, after that one song, and pump it up. This nigga not legendary no more. Like what happened? No. And I feel like these other people are really what pads up and makes up the rest of artistry, and what builds these people up to be legendary. Without these almost 
like scalingly average not to say that everyone's average but from average to the other degrees of skill and popularity outside of legendary is what makes these people legendary because you have these average people to compare them to mm-hmm. i think um i think being average is definitely okay but i think we should aspire to be above average or we we shouldn't just take mediocrity because if you feel like you could do something that's special why not do it Personally, I feel like average is more a status than a brand. Like, I'm average now, but that doesn't mean I'll be average in the future. And that persistence is what defines being legendary. Yeah, that's... that's because that's now, like, the people who are content being average are legendary. And important who are persistent and knew that this is not where my journey ends are now the people who are legendary rather than the people who gave up being average are just going to be average forever. So... Is in this like context is average synonymous with being corny? Average would just be not legendary. Like average would be anyone who has does this skill moderately. Like because I feel like when it comes to being legendary, they're legendary in these fields. Like Andre Two Thousand is legendary and a rapper. There's a bunch of rappers out there who aren't legendary, who will never be legendary but still make up this field. Not to say that they're average, but I'm just saying average in terms of, like, not not outstanding. I mean, it's perfectly fine to be average, I guess. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. I feel like um, everyone, like, has the ability to be beyond average. It's just, it depends on whether or not they can distill themselves down to, like, being them because a lot of people just have like outside influences which cause them to not sound above average you know okay so do you say that's true for everybody not everybody because some some niggas are just definitely do <laughs> some people are just lost causes I know some people personally whose music I've heard and I'm like yeah you don't got it like, you definitely have that potential to be legendary, just not at this. But do something else. I think, because um, we've talked about this before at length, and I think for um, for you to be set on the road of being legendary or for you to get that mode of being consistently trying to do stuff different, it really takes you to be, uh, it takes a humble person to be that way. And that's why a lot of goats, or you can see them, they're like, oh, they're so humble, they're so humble. You have to be humble, and you have to humble yourself. You have to see where you are to know where you're going to go. So you can't just not acknowledge your your faults, or you can't just, you know, make a song and just be like, you know, this is kind of good. You know, I, I fuck with it a little bit. I'll still, nah, if you, if you want to try and go the extra mile, go the extra mile, because it's going to pay off in the long run. That's a good reason that, like, you, well, not a good reason, like, it, as good as you mentioned humble, because, like, I see that in a lot of artists where it's like they're not humble and like they think that like what they're doing right now is like their peak like a lot of artists they realize that like you know they have a lot of room for growth whether it be like actual skill wise or just like sound or like vision wise you know like the way to be legendary i guess is to never stop growing i think but at the same time i feel like that growth is really what fuels you to be legendary like, as someone, I personally think I'm, not to say I'm average, I feel like we're now at the point of being skilled individuals. I feel like we're on the road to being outstanding and potentially on the road to being legendary. Definitely, 100%. And I think that 
but at the same time, when I was worse than I am now, I was still proud of myself. I was still proud of the things that I was doing on the scale that I was doing them and accepting that these are the humble beginnings that I'm on and that's okay. And that the, that for what I'm doing and for how long I'm doing it and for the level of skill I'm at, this is good. And accepting that and being able to put that in perspective, I feel like is what separates people from being legendary. Yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with being proud of like your works and stuff like that, but as long as like, you know, you know, take it to the head and like get too arrogant about it and shit like that. I feel like that's definitely like, you know, a rapper thing as well because, you know, it, to be a rapper, you gotta you gotta have thick skin because if yeah. somebody's gonna try to diss you, somebody's gonna try to look at your work critically. They're bars, they're people that they're things that can be put under a microscope. So if you try to write it out and you don't feel proud about it, somebody's just gonna tear you down and you gonna get discouraged. You can just shoot them too. You know? I don't know what he's talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I was saying that I feel like especially for rappers, that pride is kind of what makes you legendary. I was I saw this interview and about somebody who thought they were the best rapper. And I think Lil Wayne heard it or somebody. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on this. Uh, he was saying um, he that he thinks he's the best rapper, but he should like every rapper alive should think they're the best rapper alive. Rob Bank said that. Styles P said that too. A bunch of people have said this. Hmm. So that's, it's the mentality. That's how you know it's true. It Especially like I remember when like, when I first started making music. Shout out my friend Pierre. He said I sound like an uh, angry fifth grader. <laughs> <laughs> and like just repeatedly I would just get negative criticism and negative criticism. Remember I asked this one dude for a feature, he said, Yeah, that's not it. I'm not. You can have your money back. Like, is like is definitely but taking those criticism and using that as fuel to look at myself critically and constructively is the part of what got me here today. Now we'd be rapping our asses off, genuinely. Like, so I feel like taking that criticism and how it affected me to heart, but with, but still being able to take my ego away from it and understand that this is something that can still help me grow is a part of what makes people legendary. And that thought process is really what separates, you know, people who are destined to be greater things from people who are content being average. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to take that chance to move on to the last topic I want to talk about today, which is the uh, media effect and, like, how the media affects your life. And, like, in general... What will we do without it, I guess? Because as artists, media is kind of the product of our faith, hope, and dreams. And really what takes us from being average people to being outstanding individuals. Some people idolize, like Beyonce, people be calling her a god, like like, it's wild, like, like a goddess, often. Like, that's wild. Like, to get to these levels just because of this media, I feel like it's interesting. So how has media affected your lives? Man, media affects my life in a crazy way. I think without media, I'd be bored. I'd be like banging rocks together, some shit in the cave without yeah. media. Hikey. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, like, I consume media every day, whether it be from music or a book or just, I don't know. Just media is just fully encompassed in life. And like, without media, life wouldn't be the same. Like, we, we kind of had no meaning. You know? It'd be super sad as well, because through media, me personally, I've really found. Ironically enough, I found connection with people that I don't, that I don't even know. Like you know, just through music and video and stuff like that, podcasts like such as this one, or you know, just videos where people were talking about their experiences, made me feel like I knew them, and it gave me a sense of, like you know, a sense of familiarity and warmth, where I couldn't get that, you know, in, in the actual world, like you know, at certain points in my life. So, I definitely feel like media helped me, and stopped a lot of bad things as well so you're saying it's definitely affected you like 
helped you keep your path while ingesting media similar to how you feel? It's it's helped me keep my path and helped me be a lot better at expressing myself with certain things. Because music is a very good way of of expression, and it's a very good way of telling you how you feel. Because you could be listening to a song, and you'd be like, damn, I really... This guy really just told me some shit. (laughs) Genuinely. I feel like more than anything, media is a bonding tool between people. And expression in general is a bonding tool between people. Because, like, even my one of my brothers, one of our brothers, Zach, Mercy is definitely somebody I met because of music. Like, he was, was we were friends, but when we got to the point of bonding, the first thing we were talking about was music. He wanted to start rapping. I encouraged it. And now that bond has has grown into something unbreakable. And I feel like that's really what media does, is connect people more than anything. Like, you might be able to walk through someone's shoes through a book, or you might be able to understand how someone's feeling and relate that to yourself through a song. Even a commercial, stuck a jingle that's stuck in your head could change your life. Like, I feel like media in general is wild. Name one piece of media that influenced you the most. You mean, like, in my life? Yeah. Um, Before you say that, I just want to say... The Reese's Puff commercial song. Boy, that dog fire changed my life. Bro, my that man was spitting so much heat. I said, I gotta get that night. Reese's Puff's got like. Bro, you're not going to get. Yeah, bro. Snoop Dogg, who Reese's Puff commercial kid, drop a mixtape today. Getting that cover tattooed on my my left butt cheek. Why? Never mind. Don't ask. So, did you say like one piece of media or just media? Oh, that's hard because there's a lot. There's a lot of media in a lot of different ways, especially when I was a kid that really affected me, or like you know influenced my life a lot. Like um, I don't know. I'll definitely say when I was like a, how you say an adolescent, an adolescent. You know, I uh, definitely was influenced a lot by like Linkin Park and shit like that because that's Ooh, definitely what I listened to. One hundred percent. I yeah. used to listen to Linkin Park, uh, Green Day a lot. I don't know about all that Green Day shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Wake me up. Yo, when September ends, bro, I don't know what the fuck was up with September, but me and him was beefing. Was I, I think because, like, me and him school was, like, starting in September and shit like that. No, I think that's, like, I think if you look up, like, the lyric genius on it, it's, like, a reference to, like, suicide or something. I don't remember. Damn, I did, I did one time. Yeah. What's wrong with October? Yeah. I guess September was the month. A scary <laughs> month for real. Shit. Today's the day. What about you, James? Uh, I would give two. I would say two mediums, but he said that. Well, just as a blanket term, I I listened to a lot of uh, to a lot of Panic at the Disco and Earl Sweatshirt when I was a adolescent. Earl Sweat Earl Sweatshirt uh, shirt One OK Rock, but the two pieces of medium that I would say uh probably changed my life or just effectively changed this course. Would probably be I would probably say like Halo because you know it's a video game and it's more about like the people that I play with the experiences that I have I'm never gonna forget those memories and they're just they just they that that was another instance of me getting familiarity I'm playing with my friends they're not even in the room like I'm in my house alone cackling loud <laughs> yeah. as fuck at like 2 a.m. but and another one was I think I talked about this talked about it before on the podcast. Uh, the graduation album from Kanye. At the moment where I got it, my brother had just moved back out, 
and he left his CDs. And I picked up the, the graduation one, and that one was probably like the worst one. It skipped on songs, it repeated, but I still listened to it every day mm-hmm. in the beginning of like freshman year just because it made me feel good. So that and the Big Strong album, which was slept on, that was like his freshman one. It, uh, since you said that, like it, that CD skipped a lot. Like, can you listen to those songs the same again? Because like you heard it in a specific format, a specific medium, and you heard the skips and shit like that. I'm assuming it happened like every time you listen to the same songs. So like when you listen to the song, besides like listening to that on that CD, do you expect those things to come? All right, so I'm gonna tell you the funny thing about that. Um, no, but I have to listen to them. Like, I feel like I have to listen to them in the order of which they're on the CD. Mm-hmm. Like, if I hear if I hear one song, I'm going to be like, all right, now I got to hear Homecoming because Homecoming comes up next. And, like, I'll be like, it'll be silent, and I'm like, dun, 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 But, and another thing, it was funny because I had, had, I had my earbuds in my ear when I was listening to the music the other day. And one of them is messed up, and it cuts in and out. And I'm like, damn, this sounds kind of cool. I was like, I will, I will, I will high key when I make a song like that, where it just be like certain audio effects. Uh, uh, Childish did it with the Internet Troll song before he released the regular version of the Internet Troll song. Yeah, we can do that. That's gating. Gating. That'd be that, sure. that'd be lit. That yeah, would, I, I we can do some. We can put some noise gates on your song, bro. I you mean, got it. it. It's just like you can just like mess with the stereo image of like your song to make sure that like. I would want people to get though. it though, cause I wouldn't want them to get mad. <laughs> like, nah, the bro, they gonna be like, song? "What the fuck is wrong with this?" They gonna be mad, but I'm like, "Yo, this I, album is shit." People do weird shit like that in music. James like, Valore album is suddenly caused sudden returns of the Beats headphones. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be wild. <laughs> that'd be wild as hell. <laughs> do you guys know who the, the Beats are? Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> Before you say that, I didn't want to get on topic. <laughs> I didn't mean to. to, 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 to Jedi, Jedi voice talk. Traffic controller. I was, I, I was about to say before I forget because I'm low key already forgetting what I, what was my piece of media. Go ahead. Um, mine were Fort Minor. Hey, the bro, band. it was cold spit. Remember like, the name because it showed me such like a different side of rapping. At the time, I was my my parents were heavy into like old school R and B and old school rap. Like we used to listen to a lot of KRS One, a lot of Sugar Hill Gang, a lot of Slick Rick, like a lot of really like a lot of Eric B and Rakim, like mm-hmm. a lot of real old rap. But it was a lot of the same stuff. And then this rap started to transfer into like the more gangster rap side. My father listened to a lot of DMX. A lot of Method Man yeah. and Red Man, like a lot of Wu Tang Clan, like a lot of that shit. So it was like rap was very defined at these times. And I feel like when I heard Fort Minor and uh what was that song? Remember the name mm. like changed my life. Like I was in my room thinking like pretending I was lifting weights with a fucking soup, empty plastic suitcase, thinking I was getting stocky, <laughs> mm-hmm. wrestling my Spider Man toy. Like <laughs> really was it was a different young boy at the time. Like it really taught me that genre changing artists do exist and that these things definitely are possible and rap is what you make it and my second piece of media was Kingdom Hearts oh, yeah. which makes me feel soft y'all had Halo nah, <laughs> Kingdom you, Hearts definitely changed my like life no, no, no. Lincoln Park <laughs> Lincoln Park was soft was, too right, yeah. Lincoln I mean, Park was a, a big part of the Minor was an offshoot of Lincoln Park how yeah, you gonna say that's soft that. <laughs> yeah with Mike Shinoda I mean yeah I don't know Kingdom Hearts, I never fully played Kingdom Hearts at all. No, I get that. I wanted to get into it, but I didn't get the game. I didn't have a PlayStation. I had Xbox. That's why I played Halo. We only had a PlayStation 2. So who's Kingdom Hearts do I have? Is that yours? Maybe. 
because I don't know. I have I have Kingdom Hearts right now for right now. Like, I have a, I had the PS3 disc. I'm not sure. Oh, that, that's that's probably mine. Right okay. now. That's mine. That's Sorry. probably mine. No, my bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts two. I feel like really showed the difference of relationships because Loki was kind of like questionable a little bit. How much Sora was looking for Riku. Like, but now that's I'm, somebody were questionable, <laughs> not not Cap, but Sora, yeah. Like he, he was a little too much. He met his shorty. He said, "Yeah, you know, I like you and all that." But that boy with that blindfold over there, <laughs> ooh, Kingdom Hearts is a strange. It thing. was, but at the time, because my family still never lets me let this down. Now that I'm getting to the age where I might have kids, because I t- I loved it so much. I told I went to my family like, "Yo, I'm gonna name my first son Roxas." Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> And, oh my god, it's gonna be lit. I'm gonna be Kingdom Hearts Bull. Edgy and angsty. And they still today my dad talked to me about this. He said, Oh yeah, what you gonna name your son, right, Roxas? I'm like, oh my Damn. god. Like you'll never let me let this down. I got better names. Do you have a favorite quote from Kingdom Hearts? A favorite quote from Kingdom Hearts? There's no. Too many. But that reminds me of the something else that helped change my life, which is bleach. Fuck. I don't care what nobody say. We could fight about Bleach, period. I had every game. I wanted to import the Japanese games, but I wasn't old enough. <laughs> like, Bro, Hitman Reborn changed my life. Nah, bro, we don't want to talk about that. What, yo, you tripping. What are you talking about? It, it, it's... It, it, he I feel like Hitman... I feel like Bleach definitely pioneered the genre. Bleach was not that good. You tripping. Bleach was not that good. F- finish what you, you saying. What do you think it pioneered? I definitely think it pioneered the genre of shonen anime. Uh... You tripping. Mm, you tripping nah. if you think otherwise. Ichigo wasn't. Ichigo a, was in general, especially when it comes to angsty changing of situations and like being forced to take this occupation. You tripping. Ichigo especially wasn't so popular around that time, especially in Japan where these things are created. I feel like, like they have so like literally this artist will be set for life purely off Bleach anime sales. Not to count the various like at least like sixteen games, like. That's ridiculous amounts. They had games for every genre. They still are making Bleach games. All still. Got, and it's coming out again this year. This year, next year. All I got to say about that is I don't think that's true because a lot of the shonen tropes that you see a lot of shonen today didn't come from Bleach or anything like that. They like, just followed them. And plus, I don't even really think, in my opinion, Bleach is really considered shonen. If I thought. No, yes. It's, no. I think I think the blend of it is what Bleach pioneered. Because of how the the going to school and then at the same time you're this secret person it was definitely a Bleach thing and it follows up in anime like Kakaishi is definitely influenced by Bleach a hundred percent even though they got so off track from that I think that might Bleach have started got off track like from that Yasha. as well that's what I meant that's what I said oh okay never mind I thought you were talking about Kakaishi Kakaishi does get off track but much later on than Bleach but that's neither here nor there. I feel like it's about to be a bleach conversation. It will be because I I also I also love bleach and it forsake it forsook me and I've had detailed conversations about bleach, like as you know an adult because you get you get older, sometimes you yeah look back on stuff and like really see if it hits as much as you mm-hmm. as it did, and on the on the topic of that like of it being shonen like bleach was definitely very shonen, but. It wasn't. It was kind of just hitting the beats. It didn't do anything that was really different or anything like that to say that it pioneered. And it being it being as much as a prevalent preference as it is now, and it you know, do having stuff that comes after is more credited to shonen like the shonen jump, com uh, 
magazine that they would do because if you got that spot it didn't matter if your manga was like trash or anything like that if you got that spot you got that instant notoriety there were probably a lot of different other shonen out there that could have changed the medium and stuff like that but didn't get that spotlight that spotlight that bleach did so that wouldn't really hunter hunter i don't know about that i have i still haven't finished but I th- I say Bleach pioneered this, not because it was the first to do it or the first to do it well, because it was the most popular of these to do so. Bleach is definitely one of the most popular anime, specifically amongst like U.S. watchers, I believe. Yeah. Like especially when it came on at like on Adult Swim, like these used to be tuned in. Like people who definitely didn't follow Bleach to that end were so interested in this because it got the spotlight that not a lot of people did. And it was so simple and so simply hit these beats that everybody just was jumping into it. You walk in, you see this boy, he got orange hair, he got a big sword. I'm an eight-year-old who just watched Power Rangers. They sword's little, this sword big. I'm interested. Yeah. Like, that's literally all it took for me. Well, I, I'm, I agree with you on that because it was, it was really, really popping. So on a, on adult on adult swim, they ran the spotter arc for like two years straight, but and niggas was still watching. Niggas was still watching, still engaged, waiting for new episodes. Like engaged watching, like and the I know the anime is gonna come out soon because they decided they're gonna finish the rest of Bleach and they're gonna air it. And it I really hope I, I don't think they should. Hopefully with a different ending, just because that first ending, ooh, bro. That that, that last arc in general was just it had good notes, but because it was the end. And this is probably where the uh, their what was it not production company but their what, what would be over animation them? studio there where the animation studio probably fucked them over because it just seemed like they were throwing a lot of shit at the wall and they didn't have time because they were throwing they were throwing a lot of shit at the wall. It's, oh, you mean like plot wise? Yeah, plot wise. I don't want to say anything. I was about to spoil stuff, but. Bro, it's just, just it's just ended wild. like twelve years right. ago. Oh, like, it was, all right, oh, well, like spoilers. No, I'm talking about the manga. People, a lot of people haven't written written the manga. Uh, if they haven't yet, they're not going to. All right, that's their fault. Well, period. Um, last thing I want to say before we talk about our highlighted media for today, what do you guys think makes expression so important? Expression is so important. We got super off track about media and the effect of media because you start talking about the media that affected us. Yeah. But I feel like that's fine. That still showcases the various different ways media can affect people because firsthand, these things definitely changed our lives. Mm. Like, I wouldn't be the same person I am today if not for, like, say, the X-Men. Like, I, if not for these things, it's definitely shaped the person I am and the person I'm going to be for a long time. Roxas. Shut up. <laughs> Roxas. Oh, my, at the time, I had a different last name, so it was Roxas Watson. <laughs> uh, so wild. It's terrible. Um, yeah. Expression is important because, like, I don't know, there's a lot of people who the, the only way they can express, like, how they're feeling is through, like, I don't know, music and shit like that. Like, I know a lot of people who don't, if they don't make music, they'll literally smoke themselves. No, oh. that's, that's, that's real shit. Without the expression of self, the spirit dies. It's very okay, easy. Bro. That's no. That's why. Why you say it like that? You said it without the expression of self, the spirit dies. It does, like real shit. Especially if you just got some shit on your chest, you keep that in, it's gonna kill you. So you think expression is a necessary part of life? Very, very much so. Because you, you, you keep. If you keep feelings of like anger, you that's just gonna turn into resentment. On anything because you're gonna be like, damn, I should have. After a while, you're gonna be like, damn, I should have said something because now I'm just stuck with this feeling and it's, there's no way out. It's just, I just gotta feel this and it sucks. 
except for in moments where you have to take it, yes. Like if something outside of your um, your control happens, yeah, you just got to take that feeling. Or you could express it. But when it's like when you have that option, you should get that out because it's just going to kill you on the inside. I think expression is so vital and critical to life. Like, like, look at Neanderthals, nigga. They was making cave paintings and shit like that. <laughs> like, that's, that's true. Like, it really wasn't where I thought it was going to go with this. <laughs> look at I those mean, Neanderthals over there painting and shit. I mean, really, am I wrong, bro? though? Like, if it wasn't important, we wouldn't have pre-humans, like, painting I, and drawing. I feel like it was more about the act of creation and enthralled them than creation than expression for those people specifically ooh, like ooh. imagine i shit on my hand and i'm like damn this shit nasty i wipe it on the wall and it's a mark and i'm like ooh, i didn't know this was gonna happen <laughs> i guess and i just start drawing shapes and i'm like yeah nigga look at this i'm a cat now i mean so you saw what i mean yeah that's a wheel I said, what's a wheel? He said, y'all niggas not. I'm going to fuck y'all I mean, brain up Y'all right not now. woke? Y'all not <laughs> woke? What happened to the wheel? Because we also got hieroglyphics and shit like that. You feel me? Like, I don't know. I feel like... Oh, yeah. I definitely feel like that's more about passing down history, though. Yeah. Having recorded history. But I feel like that's what expression is. Mm. Recorded history and expression in itself is really just telling me who you are at this state of time and showing me various different emotions and sides of yourself that you choose to show. Almost communication in a sense. Mm -hmm. Communication that'll last for almost like forever. For real. How someone expresses themselves like through a medium or through something can change how you look at him. Like I wasn't really like a big Guap Dad fan like that but until I saw his uh, on on the on tour podcast. Is that what the... Well, the Valentino vlogs. Yeah, the Valentino vlogs. There we go. But when I saw how he was like as a person I was just like well, let me give his music a second shot. Because he's lit. No, I, I knew who... I've seen Guap Dad 4000 before I knew of his music. And I was, like, enthralled with this one video I made. Is him on his birthday. Yep. Money was being dropped down mm -hmm. on him. The Pokemon uh, theme song was played in the background. I love that video. And come to find out years ago that that's Guap Dad 4000. Guap Dad was, a fam was famous on social media before he was a rapper. He definitely has a couple viral videos out there of just him being him. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and that's where I feel like legend status comes into play because I definitely feel like he's going to be legendary oh, if yeah, he yeah. isn't already because he does things so differently he and does this genre so differently that like it, and you now even see how it affects people. It affects people differently because he just maintains a level of saucy in a pocket that not others have gotten to. Do you feel like Future's a legend? Yes. Yes. I feel like Future's a legend. Absolutely. Everyone does think Future's a legend. They. They need to reevaluate their life. They need to reevaluate the state of music before and after Future came. Right? Like, That's for true. real. That's like, true. genuinely. Future, as much as I hate to say, Future and Drake really changed shit for... Oh, you hate to say that Drake changed shit? No, I hate to say Future and Drake because I knew y'all was going to say something. Because <laughs> <laughs> Future and Drake, especially when the time, like, What a Time to Be Alive came out, Dirty Sprite 2 came out, the streets was different. Especially <laughs> going forward into what people talk about now, mm. I definitely Me think that Metro Groom has definitely changed. Metro Groom is definitely solidified as a legend status. Ooh, for me. sure, for sure. Metro changed. Metro Boomer had a grip on the game for a minute, like, like a good four years. Yeah, if Metro Boomer start popping right now, I wouldn't be surprised. He can do whatever you want, bro. It's Metro. You got Metro, you got Metro, you got Metro. Literally, but that's about all I want to get to around the topics for today. I do you guys have any highlighted pieces of media? Or do you want me to go first? Um, go highlighted piece of media. I've been listening to. 
fucking Wi-Fi guy a lot. Trenches to riches. Wi-Fi guys. Wi-Fi guys not ass. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Um, I've been listening to this uh, this band that was composed after. Uh, one of the guitarists left Panic at a Disco. I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's like they found... I think the name of the band is They Found Us, and I don't know how. And uh, if you're a really big Panic at a Disco fan, I'd say definitely listen to it because they have some hints of Brandon Urie's current sound, but how he went in a different direction, you can see where they kind of change it. And it's just... It's really dope because it's like... Uh, it's different in a familiar way, so I'd definitely say check it out if you're already a fan of that. And if you're not, you know, just do it for shits and giggles, I guess. Um, I kind of have two this week. Cheating. Good. Well, <laughs> I mean, fight me. Um, one is I've been listening to a lot of Killer Kane recently. Honestly, Killer Kane. specifically his like his flips on Twitter. I was listening to the Sosa superhero flip. Mm-hmm. Different. Different. Like he definitely saw his production. And I definitely think he's somebody who's on the road to being on the same similar road of success to us and I always enjoy our collaborations I have one of my new projects Immortalized coming soon um, plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug 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 the last and uh, my, hi- my other highlighted piece of media is a book I've been reading a lot called The Second Coming of Gluttony it's about this man who has an ability to see if things are going to be lucky and fortunate or not and everything that's fortunate is colored green and one day he loses this ability and gets caught in like a stuck in a rut gambling his life away but then gets a vision of himself from the future on this different almost like a different dimension and his life changes and the way he goes about his life changes and he ends up going to another dimension and making complete different life for himself and making a complete turnover telling the world and himself more than anything that he's not the fuck up that he's been for the last 10 or 12 years damn you always want some some super deep stuff. But I want to no, ask y'all a question. It's really yeah. deep. Like, he, there's a moment where he goes back to his family. And, like, you get to see the list of the things he did to his family. Like, his girl, his sister went to pick him up from a, from a casino. He lied to her, stole her car, traded it in for money to gamble. Like, crackhead activities. Like, he You're did, not wrong. He was doing his family so dirty. And he was just so addicted to gambling that he was fucking over everybody in his life. There was a girl who literally was going to be his wife who he just would just steal money from her, steal money from her, That's and do her dirty until she just said, I don't want to be bothered with you ever again. Hmm? Crackhead activities. Like, effectively, for gambling. Like, it, he definitely let it change his life. And then you get to see those same... He almost gets addicted to being a hero in another world. Like, he gets the choice to go back to the real world and doesn't take it. He chooses to stay here and put his life in danger because he's addicted to the gamble of his life. And he has to still fix his habits regardless of where he's at and regardless of where he's doing because it's going to be in your life regardless. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to flop over. I had a question, but I didn't know if you... If, Shoot. All right, so on the, back to, to Circle to the Legend thing, because I just thought about this. Do you, are there people who have legendary status that you think don't deserve it? Because there are definitely some people that I, I think... I think the part of being legendary is that debate, whether someone deserves it or not is what makes someone legendary. That's true. That's because true. it can be debated. and bec- There's certain people, like if I was like, uh, Blueface is a legend. No. It's not, not even a debate. All. Like, come on now. He doesn't, he doesn't distinguish himself enough to be put in this category. But if I were to say like, um, Method Man is a legend. 
Yo, Absolutely. It's, it's funny that you bring that up because I said this because I thought about the live that I was watching, the, the, the Versus live for DJ Premier and RZA and how people was hyping it up. People was like, oh, it's King Kong versus Godzilla. Put it on. Bro, them beats wasn't hitting like that. And they was talking for a Premier? good majority of the time. Yes, DJ Premier and versus RZA, them beats was not hitting like that. They was, they was, it was all right, but it wasn't like, it wasn't nothing like super crazy as some of the today's producers be doing. Well, I feel like I mean, that's different from, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, all right. I mean, I was, I was, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I was thinking about this last night because last night I was watching Poltergeist. I was thinking about, hold on, I know you looking at me weird, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, um, or like, it's like when like you, some things are like so ahead of their time that when like when you look at them or something like that now, they just seem so dated. Like Sonic Adventures 2 Battle or Sonic Adventures 2 That's in always going to be good. <laughs> Realistically, that game was just like, it was like, it was just ahead of its time at that point, I guess. But like when you look at it now, it's like that shit looks so dated. Like they, their lips aren't matching what the fuck they're saying, you know? <laughs> and it's like DJ Premier and RZA's, their shit is like... It was ahead of their time, but it's like it's dated now. You feel me? So it's, yeah. of course it's not gonna hit the same. I feel like that's where things start to separate from being legendary to the greatest, because they're legendary definitely due to the time, experience, and diverse history of what they've done and the work they've made. But at the same time, they're not. They wouldn't be considered the greatest because this doesn't age well. It's not timeless. Mm. I can I say this a lot because Michael Jackson is one of my favorite artists of all time, but is also one of the greatest artists of all time. I can listen to Michael Jackson whenever I want to. And it still ages perfectly well. I've been listening to uh, I Can't Help It recently. Like, it's there's certain times where artists and the state they're in make work that cements them as some of the greatest. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely. definitely what separates people, the legends, from the top. Because legends can be legends because of purely because of acumen and because of it's, the history they've accredited up to this point, but the greatest will always be the greatest. It's like um, what Babe Ruth said in fucking The Sandlot. He was like, uh, heroes, are re heroes are remembered, but legends never die. Like, you know, Riz and DJ Premier, they're heroes, but like Michael Jackson, he's a legend. Like, yeah, he'll he's never always, die. He's always going to be regarded. Well, that concludes the PC podcast. It's been AKA, East Ben. Ayashi, it's been James Valor. Anything you guys want to say to the people before we leave? Um, again, uh, September the 10th, got a project dropping on uh, Birdhouse Recordings, music for burnouts. Check it out. Peace, love, and positivity, man. Keep it, keep it going. You said that last time, bro. Because I wanted to, bro. Positivity's today. out. Okay. <laughs> just got word from Yo, our sponsors. Jerry about to beat us up if we keep talking. Uh, DOA out soon. Immortalized out soon. Have a good one. See y'all soon.